The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today we are starting a series on a very important topic, which is Proposition 37, our right to know what's in our food and if our food contains genetically modified ingredients. And joining me first in this one out of three series is Stacy Malkin. She is the media director for Yes on Proposition 37, the California Right to Know campaign. Previously, she was a journalist and newspaper publisher and longtime advocate for environmental health issues, most recently as co-founder and communications director of the National Campaign for Safe Cosmetics, another great topic. She's also the author of the award-winning book, Not Just a Pretty Face, The Ugly Side of the Beauty Industry. Today we're going to be talking about the ugly side of agriculture and consumers' right to know. So, Stacy, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Melinda. I want to know how you got into this line of interest. Well, Proposition 37 in California, which is going to be on the ballot in November, is a huge opportunity for bringing fairness and transparency to our food system. And so I, as you mentioned, have been working for a long time as an environmental health advocate around mostly chemicals in personal care products, chemicals in our homes that are linked to various health effects. And I see parallel issues going on with the food system. And this initiative is just truly a historic opportunity that we have to, for once, give consumers in the United States, in this case in California, the right to know if our food contains genetically engineered ingredients. Now, Food Sleuth Radio airs nationally, and some of our listeners might be wondering why I'm devoting several programs to a California proposition. So I think you're probably in a better position to explain why this is important for our nation. So there's a huge movement across the country to label genetically engineered foods. Fifty other countries require labeling of GMOs, and we haven't been able to get it here in the United States because the corporations have a lock on the government. They've stopped the FDA from requiring labeling, even from requiring safety studies. So we just don't have a safety system for genetically engineered foods in the United States, and they're not labeled. They're in many of the foods on supermarket shelves right now, kids' cereal, baby formula, corn chips, soy milks, lots of processed food, but it's all hidden from consumers. And so in California, we have the ability to take the question directly to voters through the citizen initiative process. And so this spring, we had a huge undertaking, a 1,000 volunteers in just a 10-week period, and many people across the state were able to get almost a million signatures to get this on the ballot in November, almost twice the number that we needed. So there's a huge movement for this across the country and in California to say, we're going to take this now to the voters, to the people who are buying and eating the food, and ask them, do you want to know if it's genetically engineered? Well, I think it's very interesting. On the CaliforniaRightToKnow.org website, there is a map, and it shows which countries specifically do and do not require labeling of genetically engineered foods. And I think this is a real wake-up 
opportunity for American consumers who think, you know, we come from the land of the free and the home of the brave, and yet China and Russia require labeling of GE foods, and uh-uh, not for American consumers. We don't have the right to know. It's amazing. Yeah, most of the industrialized world, India just passed a labeling law, all of the European Union, and for many years, and this is now just coming to the fore in the United States, and as I said, it's because we're able to take it directly to voters, and so the outcome of this vote in November is so important, not just for California, but for the whole country. Let's talk about the opposition, which is pretty phenomenal when you look at who is trying to keep us in the dark as consumers and which companies say, yes, consumers do have a right to know. So I want to look at some of the arguments that are coming from the opposition. One, for example, that I hear consistently is, well, you know, if we label the food in California, it's just going to cost so much money. And yet I interviewed Gary Hirschberg, oh gosh, months ago, and he said, manufacturers change labels all the time. It's no big deal. It's not going to cost a lot. Where is this coming from? Well, first of all, it's important to point out who's against this initiative, and the who is the biggest chemical companies in the country, Monsanto, DuPont, Dow Chemical. They're heading up an effort that has so far raised $25 million to try to kill this initiative in California. So it is a huge and well-funded operation. Uh, it's all corporations. There, there are no, actually no people who have donated money to the No on 37 campaign. It's the pesticide companies and the big junk food companies who are opposed to this and saying all sorts of things that aren't true. I mean, we like to point out these are the same companies that told us Agent Orange and DDT was safe. And now they're saying, you know, trust us, GMOs are safe. We don't need independent science. We don't need to even let consumers know about it. And so they're telling stories like this will increase the cost of groceries. There's no credible case to be made for that because, as you said, companies are changing their labels all the time. And this initiative is actually very business-friendly. It gives companies 18 months to change their labels. It requires – it's not even a, a new label. It's adding information to existing labels. Companies would have to put the words partially produced with genetic engineering somewhere on their package the front or the back, wherever they choose. So it's just additional information for consumers. There'll be no increased costs, and it's very simple and easy to follow. Well, I have to tell you a personal story. Because I'm a dietitian, I get a lot of literature from food manufacturers. And I got one from a General Mills product. It was for Kick cereal, and it was telling me to promote this product to kids because it was whole grain. And I was curious. I thought, well, I wonder if this product contains genetically engineered ingredients. I think I'll just contact the consumer representative and see what I find out. And the responses were very interesting, and they were false. The response said that the ingredients are safe, and yet, as you just stated, we have had no long-term safety studies on these ingredients. If they have been studied, they've been internally studied, mostly by the industry, and accept those studies accepted as fine and safe and credible. It, which is sort of like a fox guarding the hen house model to me. And I was also told that the American Medical Association said that they were safe. And, you know, I've actually got a report here. This was Monica Ng, who's a Chicago Tribune reporter, 
covered the American Medical Association meeting in Chicago, and this was back in June, and she says that actually the American Medical Association called for mandatory pre-market safety testing of genetically engineered foods as part of a revised policy voted on at their meeting. So I'm getting misinformation from one of the corporations that is funding opposition to keeping me informed, which makes it really difficult for a consumer to get credible information, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. And that very same misinformation is right now blanketing the state of California in the form of mailings from scientists who are saying similarly inaccurate things, misrepresenting the American Medical Association position as well as many other prominent agencies. It's really quite stunning, the amount of misinformation and outright lies that are going around. But as you said, the AMA took a very significant step saying, hey, we think that there ought to be more studies into the health effects of genetically engineered foods because of evidence showing links to allergies and possible antibiotic resistance and other problems. Right. You know, I was interviewing Don Huber several months ago. He is a researcher, a former plant scientist at Purdue University. And when what he did was he looked at the public health data, the changes documented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and he said what we have to do is we have to ask what has changed in our environment over the past 20 years that have led to these drastic rises in autism, allergies, asthma, It's hard to find a smoking gun, but we can certainly take a precautionary approach. And my gut feeling as a public health professional is to say, let's label our foods first and let's just see what we're eating so that we can track what we put in our mouths and how we feel. Absolutely. That is so important. And that's really all we're talking about here is giving consumers information. And just the the fact that that should be such a big fight is really stunning. But Proposition 37 is just about let's give consumers information so that we can make the choice, we can have the power ourselves to decide what we want to eat and feed our families. Why don't companies want us to know? I think that's a great question because on the one hand, they talk about the supposed wonders of genetically engineered foods, and then on the other hand, they don't want transparency and they don't want consumers to know. I think it's because there are actually no consumer benefits to genetically engineered foods, none. And yet there are many risks, risks because of studies showing allergies, kidney and liver problems, other health risks. We know that there are environmental problems, including an overuse of pesticides, and now they're not working and we're seeing superweeds take over farmland, that they're needing to use more toxic pesticides. Also, unintentional contamination of organic crops. There was just a USDA report that came out yesterday saying, yeah, this is a real problem that organic crops are getting contaminated with these genes that are out of control and that the companies can't control. That's huge. This is an industry that has just gone wild with putting uncontrollable genes out into the food system without having to have any accountability, no required safety studies, and without telling consumers. And all we're saying is at least Let's let consumers know so that we can be part of this decision-making. We can choose for ourselves what we eat. Mm -hmm. There are so many lies out there, and I thought maybe we could 
go through some of them. One of the things that you mentioned had to do with an increased use of herbicides and, and pesticides. And this is really interesting because I was recently, um, I'm based in Columbia, Missouri, which is where the University of Missouri is. There's a Monsanto auditorium. And one of the lectures that I heard, Roger Beachy spoke with the Danforth Plant Sciences Center in St. Louis. And he said that basically, you know, these, these foods are safe and we can either have biotechnology to feed the world, which is a whole other set of <laughs> misinformation that we can talk about. But he said, if we don't use biotechnology to feed the world, we're going to have to use a lot more herbicides and pesticides. And I thought, wait a second. I've seen Chuck Benbrook's data out of the Organic Center saying that, and he's looking, he's using USDA data, and he's saying that we're actually using more herbicides now because the majority of these genetically modified crops are genetically modified to withstand the spraying of the herbicide. So there's profit to be made in selling the herbicide. So the misinformation is that somehow this technology is going to result in less herbicide or pesticide pollution when actually we're seeing a greater use, and I think pending is the 2,4-D resistant, or eight, the, people are calling it Asian orange soy, and that's because 2,4-D was one of the major ingredients in Agent Orange. There were two ingredients, 2,4-D and 2,4-5-T. And so because of this weed resistance now, as you mentioned, we're going to have to develop crops that have an additional resistance trait to more herbicide application. That can't be good for children. No, and it's, if you just look at it, it's all kind of obvious that this was going to be the outcome. And in fact, scientists said this back when, this is what's going to happen. You use so much of this herbicide, it'll stop working and, and the weeds will become resistant. And they said, oh, no, no, it won't. And of course, that's exactly what happened. And it is very much a pesticide treadmill. As you said, most of the crops, corn and soy, have been engineered to withstand Roundup. They're called the Roundup Ready crops. And so farmers have had to spray more and more and more Roundup, which of course Monsanto also sells. So it's a seed chemical combination that they're selling. The farmers need to use more and more Roundup, and now it's not working. So they're proposing, you know, let's move to 2,4-D, a more toxic pesticide. They're also, you know, engineering plants now in, in many different ways, not just Roundup Ready, but also engineered to include an insecticide, BT toxin, and then they want to engineer them to withstand 2,4-D, which, of course, the same thing will happen. Weeds will become resistant to 2,4-D. So... We need to just really look at what's happening with, with not what they're saying about biotechnology, but how is it actually being used. And it's being used in combination with chemicals. And at this point, as I said, no consumer benefits of the kind they like to talk about, feeding the world or enhanced nutrition or properties you might actually want in a food. We haven't, we don't have any of that in the food system right now. We, we just have these pesticide scheme, GMOs. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Stacy Malkin. She is the media director for Yes on Proposition 37, also known as the California Right to Know campaign. And even though this is a piece of California legislation, all eyes across the country are watching. There have been many attempts to label foods as having genetically engineered ingredients. They have failed. We're looking now to the voters in California really to set a precedent, wouldn't you say? 
Absolutely. I think that everyone is watching what happens in California. Many other states have tried to pass legislation and haven't been able to do it, but but they're all looking now to see if we can do it here. I think bills will move forward in other states, and there will be even more pressure on the FDA that they need to step forward and, and with some responsible regulation, and at least labeling, and also mandatory safety studies. Right. And let's just put the fears of cost to rest, because one of the arguments I had received from the General Mills representative was that labeling was somehow going to raise the cost because the labels would have to be different for California than the rest of the country. And I thought, well, not really. You know, there's 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 no ban on labels in all the other in the other rest of the 49 states. So we could certainly sell them all over the country with the label. That's silly. I think one of the things we have to do, Stacy, is question the messenger. As you mentioned earlier, there's not a single consumer that has donated a dime to keeping us in the dark. But these are businesses, these are corporations that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars collectively in the millions to keep consumers in the dark. What do you think we can do as supporting people all over the country to help this movement move forward and succeed? Well, that's so important. I mean, this this is a people's movement, and we have huge support. That's the good news. We're, we're very far ahead in the polls right now. There's just a, a huge grassroots network across the state of California working to make this happen. Um, but we need all the help and support that we can get because it's not going to be an, an easy fight. They've raised $25 million on the opposition, $4 million from Monsanto, $4 million from DuPont, millions from some of the big junk food companies. And so that money is going to be poured into deceptive television commercials to continue the misinformation campaign that we've been talking about. So what we need to do is just be loud and clear and consistent with our voice to people in as many ways as we can. We have a huge online network, and I certainly encourage folks to plug in with us on our website at carighttoknow.org. You can sign up for our list, volunteer donate. Every little bit counts. We said not one human has donated to the no side. That's true. And we have 10,000 donors that have given us small amounts and some large amounts, you know, people all across the country. So we're getting huge amounts of support, but we've just got to really band together and make sure that the true story gets out to the voters of California and that they hear both sides and that they hear what this is really about, which is about informing consumers and giving people the power to make our own choices about our food. It's so funny. One of the things that I consistently hear from consumers is that we want more transparency in our food system, not less. We want to know what we're putting into our bodies. And I was very impressed with the Cornucopia Institute poster because I like visual tools to help me see really what's going on. And there's a list that they provide so that consumers can see which companies are opposed to our right to know and which companies are supporting it. And I thought, you know, my food dollars are votes. I don't get to vote in California, but I get to vote every day at the supermarket. And if I see, for example, that Organic Valley has donated to keep us knowledgeable and to protect our right to know, I'm going to buy Organic Valley products. If I see that Eden Foods is giving money to protect our right to know, I'm going to buy Eden Foods. It's my way of saying thank you. Alternatively, if I see a whole list of products 
And this is, I think, so troubling is that, you know, you've got these organic brands that have been bought out by the larger corporations, and they're donating a lot of money to keep us in the dark. So one of the examples that I mentioned about General Mills, they also produce Cascadian Farms organic cereal. And I thought, gosh, you know, here's an organic brand. Why would they want to keep an organic consumer in the dark? So I'm going to use my dollars not to vote for those products, but to vote for products that do support my right to know. That's wonderful. We so encourage folks to support the companies that are helping us out here with Yes on 37 and also thank them too. This really is about out-of-state corporations taking on millions of moms and dads in California who want to know what's in their food, but also, you know, the state's really crown jewel of industries, which is the thriving organic natural food movement. And farmers all across the state are working for Yes on 37. And I think that people see that. They see the David and Goliath fight. They see who's telling us to be against labeling, which is is not a very compelling (laughs) argument to say, no, you do not have the right to know what's in your food. We're the only ones who are allowed to know what we're doing to the food system. I mean, people are not buying it. So I do think that the story about what this is really about is getting out to people and getting out through the media. But like I said, we all can play a role in helping to make sure that the people's voice is heard in the next two months as we start to get flooded with deceptive TV commercials. Mm. Yeah, the media is so powerful. It's so important to question the messenger. I think that there are certain populations that are especially vulnerable where you, you know, if there's any chance of risk, you definitely don't want to go there. For example, women of childbearing years, pregnant women, lactating women, of young children. My goodness, children are our future. We have to protect their public health. And if there's any chance of a risk, if we don't have those safety studies in, at least put a label on those foods so that we, as women, can protect our unborn children and can protect our children who are with us and we want to be healthy. Let's know what we're putting in our families' meals. It really is women who are driving this movement. You know, mm-hmm. it was women and moms and grandmothers that were largely out on the streets petitioning to get this on the ballot. And it's women who are buying the food, of course, and also seeing the huge increases in allergies and infertility and all sorts of diseases that have been increasing that we don't know why. But but certainly what's going on in the environment is part of the picture. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, the precautionary principle, if there's a chance of risk, we can avoid it. But the only way we can do so is to know and be informed about what's in the food we're buying. I feel like your right to know website is just a great one-stop shop. You talk about Proposition 37, what it is, but you also have what are genetically engineered foods. I don't think people really know what they are and where they're found. You've got a great list here, and I think that's important for people to know that the majority, we're talking 90% of all soy, corn, cottonseed oil, sugar beets, are well, you know, sugar beets are well over 90%, over 95% are being sprayed with the herbicide Roundup. So people can come here to learn what are genetically engineered foods and where we're going to find them in the supermarket, even without a label. We have to be more diligent, 
but at least we know what the source is. And then you can kind of figure out, well, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why these companies are fighting our right to know. It's because their foods are laden with the genetically engineered ingredients, such as the Coke and Pepsi contributions, which were, let's see, Coca-Cola donated... Over, over 500, oh, over a million now? Yeah, now they're up to over a million. Wow. Um, and, of course, the corn syrup is in much of their products, and a lot of that's been genetically engineered. Mm-hmm. And most of the genetic engineering right now is in processed foods, foods with corn syrup or soy sauce or corn starch or those sorts of derivatives of corn or soy or cottonseed oil or sugar beets. So lots of processed foods have genetically engineered ingredients. But also we're starting to see fresh foods that are now genetically engineered. For example, Monsanto's sweet corn, which just this summer has arrived in Walmart stores. Walmart has said that they will carry the genetically engineered sweet corn, although other stores such as Whole Foods and Trader Joe's have said they will not carry it. So that's a good thing. And, of course, it's not labeled. So in stores now at Walmart, the corn on the cob products look like regular corn. They may taste like regular corn, but it's been genetically engineered to contain an insecticide inside of it, Bt toxin, as well as engineered to withstand Roundup. And that's not been safety tested. It's not been proven safe. So, you know, we don't know what's in this corn. We don't know what the health effects could be. And we have a right to choose whether or not we want to buy that corn. Exactly. You know, we just have a few minutes left. I want to let everybody know that the California Right to Know website is terrific. And that's simply www.ca, which is short for California, org. And I especially like the facts page because I can learn about genetically modified foods. I can find out where they are. I can learn more about Proposition 37. I can see who's funding it to say, yes, we need to be more informed. And I can also see who is trying to give money to keep me in the dark. Is there anything that you want to say that I may have neglected to ask you? Just that I so appreciate the support and all of the supportive messages that we're getting from all across the country. I just feel such a positive energy around this and such a momentum, and I believe that will take us to victory in November, and it's two months. It's going to be a very exciting two months. We certainly need all the help we can get, all the donations, all the volunteers. So please check out our website, carighttoknow.org, and get in touch with us. And I think we're going to see the people's movement prevail on November 6th. I certainly hope so. And I want to encourage people who receive messages. I can't emphasize this point enough about questioning the messenger. Even if you get a statement from a researcher at a university, you have to ask who funds their research, who funds their department, what's at stake for them. Because we certainly get a lot of information from people with white lab coats who we would like to trust. But when we scratch the surface a little bit deeper and we find out, hmm, they have a vested interest in delivering this particular message. And there's even messages out there. I I just saw that Monsanto had a coloring book for children, like a little get to know the great things about biotechnology. So the question that we have to ask as parents is what kind of curriculum are our children seeing in schools, who's writing it, and what information is missing. And this is critical when we get the oppositional messages. So we should be asking, well, what do we know about the safety and what don't we know, and what are the unintended consequences? 
Our next two programs, Stacy, are going to feature farmers. We're going to talk about organic farmers and what's at stake. We know consumers want to buy organic food when they can afford it. And so we just want to layer that on top of the great information that you have at CaliforniaRightToKnow.org. So thank you for all of your work on this campaign. Well, thank you so much, Melinda, for shining light on this topic and for everything that you do. All right. I want to thank my guest, Stacy Malkin, who is the media director for the California Right to Know campaign, Proposition 37. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. And I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you, consumers, for caring about this issue. And thank you, Stacy, for your hard work. Thank you.